no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. Welcome to the Bear Essentials. We are a Chicago Bear podcast for the fans. On today's show, we will hand out our 2020 Chicago Bear position grades and much more. Hey, Doug, man. How you doing there, fam? Doing good, Press. How about you, man? I've been better. Happy to be potting with you. We had a, a mishap at the crib, man. Our damn garage uh, collapsed, so I'm dealing with that. So it's, oh. been, it's been eventful over here, fam. That sucks, man, especially during the snow. Oh, sorry to hear that, brother. Dude, and, it's, and the thing about it is, I was lucky. No cars or anything like that were in the in the garage, but it's a matter of all the personal items and stuff that was in there, so it's going to be a lot to figure out. Understood. Man, good luck with that, bro, and I hope everything goes well, you know? Yeah, but how's everything on your end, bro? Um, so far, so good. You know, work has been crazy, but overall, I'm in good spirit. <laughs> Yeah, I would say this was like one of the few weeks that work wasn't the biggest issue from our week because then the garage thing happened. That happened on Thursday, and I'm just like, fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem right there. That's the bigger issue. Yeah, it's always something, bro. It's always something. I'm going to enjoy potting with you today. I'm going to definitely be enjoying this Super Bowl tomorrow. And uh, yeah, man, what can you do? Right. Thank God for insurance. Exactly. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said on the intro, man, we're going to be getting out some 2020 position grades. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about some of the recent news that we've had on uh, the Bears front. Right. So as you saw, we signed uh, an assistant defensive backs coach. So mm-hmm. uh, we brought in Mike Adams to the staff and he'll be working with the DBs. This was a position that Desai served the last two seasons with the, with the organization. The big thing that I liked about Adams, and I want to get your thoughts on him here in a second, is the fact that he played a long career in the league, and he and Nagy have familiarity because they actually played it together in college. I like that move. I like the pickup anyway, because I think um, having somebody for that position who actually has some familiarity, like you said, and able to have that camaraderie together, I think they can make some moves, man. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, the thing that I thought that, like, okay, he was a starting safety in the league, so I thought that was good. But then another thing about him is he's making that jump from uh, player to coach. And so this will be his first coaching gig. But I think that his experience as a player and a successful player at that, I think that would be a valuable asset, especially for a lot of the young guys in that secondary. Right, right. He can relate to them. Like you said, man, coming from Denver Broncos, I think that's where he played the safety at. I think coming from there, he's young, he can relate. And I think that's a big deal right there, being able to relate to guys, right? You can relate to the young crowd, how they talk, how they act, and you can provide some assistance around that to help these guys get better. I think that's a good move for someone who can bridge the gap. 
Yeah, he definitely played with the Broncos. I think he played for the Colts, the Niners, the Browns, the Panthers. And then, you know what, coincidentally, he was teammates with uh, with Tyshawn Gibson with the Texans towards the right. end of his career. Yep, good point. Very good point. So that's funny. I mean, we don't know if Gibson will be back because he's set to become a free agent, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> that's a good point <laughs> to bring up on that. And then we also saw that our running back coach position was filled. Michael Petre. He's replacing Charles London. And then mm-hmm. we know that London left to join uh, Arthur Smith's staff in, in Atlanta. So what did you think there about bringing on uh, Michael? I thought that was cool, too. I don't know, you know how, how well it's going to go with Michael, but I do like him from the standpoint of his history. I know that he's uh, he done good in college, coaching in college. Getting somebody to come from a good school, a good name, to come and do this as well, I thought that was good, too. Yeah, and the thing about it is because you mentioned that college experience. Uh, I yeah. know that he's been at Oregon State for the yep. past couple of years, mm-hmm. and he was their running back coach. And also, he was the recruiter coordinator for them. But one thing that's kind of cool about this is that he coached uh, Artavis Pierce in his time when he was at Oregon State. Also, Ryan Nall, but that doesn't matter as much. <laughs> Art- <laughs> I know you're going with that, man. <laughs> but no, I think that'd be kind of cool that he's being reunited with Pierce. He's going to really have a really good chance here. This is a good job for him because now he gets to coach a guy in David Montgomery and a returning Tariq Cohen, who's a Swiss Army knife. So, I mean, he he lucked into a really good spot here. Yes, he did, man. And, and, and one thing I always look at when it comes down to coaches, you know, do they come from a good school, come from a good program? And he does come from that. So I think even with that, like I said, the history from him and coming to our team, that does add some value. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Well, One other thing that we're going to talk about, just because we have to, (laughs) the quarterback trade market is starting to heat up a bit. So (laughs) there's been a lot that's been going on. And as I've previously told the listeners on this show, that a desperate and lame duck Ryan Pace with draft capital scares the fuck out of me. And it still does. A-Dub, I'm just totally prepared for him to overpay someone in whatever trade he executes for this quarterback position. So. You and I both have gone on record here saying we need to go all in to get Deshaun Watson. Correct. What I saw, though, is what that actual price could be to acquire Deshaun Watson if the Texans are inclined to actually trade him. So I'm seeing that the Texans would ask for two number ones, two number twos, and two defensive young starters. So when I look at our roster, that's probably going to be somebody like Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson, and that's at the least. And so... When you look at that price tag, is that a price tag that you would be comfortable with our organization moving forward with if it brought back a Deshaun Watson? That is hard. That really is. Like you said, the price tag for him is, man, it's huge. That could hurt us, man. It really could hurt us with draft picks and everything else, right? And you know how valuable those draft picks are really are, you know, in the league. And they are very critical positions that, that you're trying to get. So doing all that, man, unleashing so much for a guy can really set you back as a franchise. It really can, at least a year or two. The one thing that I will say this to for you to kind of ponder and for our audience to think about, because I do agree with you. However, the one thing that I think about is our first round draft picks, are they as valuable as people lead them to be? Because if you look at a lot of GM's records, they mm-hmm. miss on a lot of first round draft picks. Right. And so the one thing when I look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, the kid's only 25 years old, he's under contract, he's shown himself to be a really good quarterback, and he's a leader, and he's a proven commodity. Mm -hmm. So I wonder, in that case, is the draft capital maybe worth it in that case to bring on someone like this? That's a good point to to bring up, because one thing this city has been missing 
for such a long time, well, almost forever, is a quarterback that you can say is a franchise quarterback. (laughs) So, um, and you can build around that, right? You can build around. We've seen other organizations do it. And to get that, man, it has something from one somebody set for the next, what, maybe 10 years. That is a good start for our organization, really. We may give up a lot, but I think having a guy like that to start us off in today's, you know, NFL, we need it. (laughs) Yeah, and I will say this. It would hurt to lose somebody like a Roquan Smith and a Jalen Johnson. These are guys that you and I are both very high on. Right. But at the same time, that just goes to show you that Ryan Pace's original sin of not drafting this guy in the first place has come back to set the franchise back. Because if you have to give up that type of talent and draft capital, I think that should be the final nail in his coffin. Right. Exactly. And you think about this here, Prez, and you can probably can allude to this already. Imagine we draft them already. Probably what we probably could be right now. Have we already sure. made the first draft, right? And huh. think about all these other trades, right? We got to do with to get other guys. We won't have to screw up draft picks and things of that nature, right? Have we done the thing the right way the first time? Absolutely, man. So my whole thing is, who knows what the fuck Ryan Pace has up his sleeve, but I would just say this. If he's going to go crazy with any draft capital and make any crazy move, the only move that I'm going to be okay with him pulling the trigger on is if that brings Deshaun Watson here. Same here. We are on the same page, brother. (laughs) But I would just say this, A-Dub. I'd have a weird feeling, though, that if Deshaun Watson is moved, I think that he ends up in Miami. That's just kind of what I feel. <sighs> oh, don't put that in my mind, Prez. I don't want- <laughs> <laughs> because that is a logical option for him, though, no doubt. And that's where he wants to go, too. I just don't want to think about it. I really don't. I want to see us explore as much as we can to try to get him and focus yep. in on that. And then if we cannot get him right then we got to go to option two. But man, let's go all in like you always said before, man. Let's go all in first. And speaking of option two, so we saw yesterday that there were reports out that the Eagles were close to trading Carson Wentz. And they were saying that it was going to come down between the Colts and the Bears. What are your thoughts there? Man, I'm not a huge Wentz fan. I will say that first. I understand what he's done in the past, but a guy like him needs a perfect situation for what I see. I'm not saying our situation with him coming here is perfect, right? It's perfected to where he's able to do what he did before that led him to being an MVP candidate. But again, watching him this year, he didn't look good at all this year. And I'm not sure if he can come back to our team and be someone that can drive our team down the road. So I don't know, man. It's just one of those picks that you say, you know what? That is a very interesting one. And you wonder how much it's going to cost us to get a guy like him in a trade. And that's the biggest part of what you said there is the cost. Because it sounds like his asking price or the asking price from the Eagles is going to be high. So when I look at something like that, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, bro. Me either. (laughs) Because this is what I'll say. If we find out that, okay, we absolutely cannot get Deshaun Watson and that this is what they come back to and say, okay, this is what the move is, I'm okay with this only if it's a buy low type of move. Right. Now, if they're giving up multiple number ones to bring him here, no thank you. Right, right, exactly. And that's what the biggest catch right there. What are we giving up? Yep. And whether draft picks or guys on our team who was part of our depth, what are we giving up for him? Because I, I believe he is an improvement, right? So the quarterbacks we have now, I, I will say this. I think he is an improvement from the guys we have now. But like you said, that price, let's see. Also, let's keep it, in fact, the contract, the extension that he signed with the Eagles, right? Right. So now that contract has millions in fully guaranteed money on it. And that figure, from what I understand, exceeds like over $40 million. Ah, that's a lot. A Mm. lot of damn money. Yeah, man. So we got our hands full to see how this all going to play out. This is why I do hope, though. (laughs) If we get wins, 
right? If, that's a big if. Can they also send foes back to Philadelphia? Can they do that? Bro, I wish. <laughs> I wish. What, let me let me ask you this, A-Dub. Is Nagy trying to recreate the Eagles or something? Like, now we're going to end up with Wentz potentially with Foles as the backup. What, what are we doing? That's what it looks like, man. It sounds like we're bringing Philadelphia to Chicago. That's what God. it sounds like. Seriously, it really does. What are we doing? For real. That's what it's looking like. <laughs> but, so this is the thing, man. When you look at Wentz, right? Two guaranteed years left on that contract. So if they think that they can rehab him, then I guess if you look at the money that's left, $25 million a season, it could be a, a team-friendly contract for a guy like that. But that's a big right. if. That's, that's a, a big, big if. Because what you said is he didn't look good at all this season. He did not. And the thing you mentioned, though, like it's a couple seasons, right? The guarantees for a couple seasons. If you think about our defense in general, how much life do our defense have, right, going forward? That window's getting smaller every season. Exactly. So really, if we get him and our, you know, again, if our defense doesn't show any improvements over the next few years or whatever, right, you got to start over somewhere with your defense. So it's like our window, like you said, is very much closing. So we really don't have much time to waste with this defense. The clock is ticking and our defense got overworked this year, as you can see. So that the, the clock is really ticking. Yeah. And the thing is, too, you'll have a lot of people that will probably push back on you and I and say, well, Carson Wentz, uh, he played behind a bad O-line in Philly and and so forth. And and he didn't have any receivers to throw to. And what I was just say is what I saw from a guy was I saw like a little bit of a deer in the headlights with Wentz. He looked like a guy that was injured and might be broken. That's just kind of what I saw from him this season. And people will sit up here and tell you, Oh, well, 2017, he played this well. He did this. Well, what, what year is this, A-Dub? Right, this 2021. Coming up 2021 season. Yeah, don't <laughs> tell me nothing about no 2017 shit. 2017, I had a fire headline. Right. Underline, <laughs> fuck now. <laughs> right. Hey, look, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> but you make a great point, Press, is that we can't think about his history. We got to think about now. You know, um, that's what it's about right now. What can he do right now? And what I saw from him, Perez, uh, when I was looking at some of the games with him playing, is that his reads, when he gets under pressure, he makes some bad throws as well. And I saw yes. how he can read down the field. Like, yep. beyond 20 yards, he was struggling, man. Yep. And I think that's what also caused him to get benched because those reads he was making, it's like, those are just bad throws. Throw it away, man. You better throw the ball away than making that pass down the field like that. So he made some bad throws in Philly um, this year. Last point I have on him is, I honestly think that it makes more sense for him to go to the Colts. I think a couple things. They are a bona fide playoff team. He had really good success with the head coach of the Colts when that guy was with the Eagles. Mm -hmm. And so that was the year that Wentz was on fire. Maybe a reunion between the two of them can get Wentz back to where he needs to be. And then they could probably become a, play a playoff team or a, a Super Bowl contender if they have him there. So I just, I feel like I don't necessarily know if I trust Nagy to get right. the most out of him if they even do make this type of a move. Absolutely, because you always talk about praise, and you alluded to this on our last um, episode about being a fit. Maybe that's, you're right. With him going to the Colts, maybe a better fit for him. Right. I'm not so sure it's coming to Chicago is a better fit for him, for what he needs and to be successful with. Right. And also, too, I mean, yeah, he does have talent. But I saw a kid out there last season that played like he didn't have any confidence. And again, he looked shaken and he looked like he was just injured. Like it just, it didn't look good. No, he did not at all. Looks like he's playing a little bit hurt too as well. Um, you can see part of that, some of the glimpses with him when he gets sacked, you're like, okay, is he getting back up? 
it looked a little weary, you know? You wonder about his health as well, because unfortunately, as you know, with our line, I mean, we're going to do some things with it down the road, but we're not the best offensive line. Could he come in, make an impact, make a change? I just know for him and being in Philly this year here, he didn't show to me that he can carry. You look at that quarterback who can carry. What we saw with Deshaun Watson, even though his team was bad, he was able to carry still. Can you carry? And I didn't see that from Wentz as being a guy you can say I can rely on, he can get us what we need, even though we're shorthanded. I didn't see that from him. Yeah, because I think we both say that Deshaun Watson is the kind of quarterback that he can make plays happen for you when things break down and he right. can probably win a game for you. Carson Wentz, while he probably was not in the best situation in Philly last year, we saw Hurts come in and Hurts kind of got some things done. So to me, yep. I don't necessarily know if we could just blame it simply on the system and, and, and so forth there with Philly. So I don't, I don't I agree. know, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Hey, you and I have that same thought process around that. I can't blame all just the team itself. I'm wondering about him. Yeah, I'm wondering about him too. So Ryan Pace, stay away. Stay right. away. <laughs> Focus <laughs> on Deshaun Watson, man. Let's see where that go. Yeah, and if that doesn't work out, then we can talk about backup options from there. <laughs> right, exactly. Let's lose out there first before we start making other talks about other quarterbacks. That's right. So I guess let's get into the episode, man. So 2020 season. We've done... Our free agent breakdown, and we've done some of the senior bowl recaps. So now we're going to get into some position grades for the squad. We're going to start with the quarterback position. And we're going to start with my boy Mitchell David Trubisky. A dub, I'm going to give him a B minus for the season. Okay. That grade is basically on this fact that the organization, and most notably Matt Nagy, didn't have much faith in Mitch to turn it around and give him the opportunity to prove that he was the guy. We know that Mitch has not been what he was drafted to be. That's already out there. We don't have to retrace that. But right. what I do know, and from what I saw, was that he showed improvement from his 2019 season. So when they benched him in week three, Mitch came back in week 12 and took advantage of that opportunity, and he led the offense to those four straight games where the offense was clicking, right? scoring 30 points, and the offense looked as good in that four-game stretch as it had at any point in the last couple of seasons. So for me, some people will nitpick and they'll say, oh, well, Prez, those high-scoring games came against bad defenses. But I'll just push back and say, well, remember how the offense looked when Nick Foles was in there? Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so good point. Yeah. So what I would just say is, and we said it on this podcast many times before the move even happened, that Mitch gave us the best chance to win this particular season. Despite the late season comeback and how he played, I still know that he's not going to be our long-term answer at the quarterback position. But he did play well enough to save the jobs of Nagy and Pace, as I've said a few times on the show. But Mitch Trubisky, B-. What, B you, minus what you got him? for me? I gave him a C plus. You gave him a B-, minus, I gave him a C plus. <laughs> okay, okay, um, C+. Plus. Here's why. Mitch did very well, of course, better when Bill Lazor took over. But what made him better was the fact that what Bill Lazor did was put him more in bootleg and RPOs. And I thought Mitch was very effective in that area to where he's able to get some things going. They speed up the pace for him. And I thought that helped him out much more than anything else that Nagy did hit for him, right? Because <laughs> Nagy had him out there just really just throwing the ball in the pocket. And that's not where he's great at. From that standpoint, the first few games, we did not look good with Nagy <laughs> and Mitch together. So that, that tandem right there for offense didn't look good at all. It took, like you say, got benched, though. I don't think he was worth, it was worth benching him at the time frame, but I do understand it because it was we wouldn't get anything out of it at that point. But 
when he came back, again, Bill Lazor pretty much put him in a good situation to utilize his speed, his mobility, and give him some quick throws and use his mind very quickly to make plays. Under Again, under nagging, he took him a lot of time to where he had to make plays downfield, and that wasn't his strength. That is fair. So C-plus for you. Yep. B, B minus for me for Mitchell David Trubisky. All right, A-dub. Nick Foles. I gave Nick Foles a D. Okay. Nick Foles wasn't what Nagy thought he would be, and he wasn't what Bill Lazor thought he would be either. But again, Nagy's the one who was calling plays during that time frame. But anyhow, he wasn't what I thought it would be. Again, Nick Foles the guy who needs the pocket, needs a great, great line to be effective. And with our line, we didn't have a great line. But even still, Nick Foles could not make great throws down the field either, right? He missed Mooney on a lot of passes. He missed, he missed A-Rob on a lot of passes. This guy is night and day, meaning that he's when he's on, he's on. But when he goes cold, he goes cold. And he missed short passes, long passes, whatever passes when he's cold. And if he blitz him, any kind of pressure would hurt him. So our offense couldn't do anything with him. And then finally, when it came down to play calling, right, it seems like that Nick Foles didn't understand the playbook. He struggled with that. You saw him a lot looking at his arms and everything else trying to figure <laughs> out the play. And by the time we got a play going, it's what, four seconds on the clock right now. Now we got to rush and run this play. Offense looked atrocious under Nick Foles. And right now, Nick Foles is probably a backup quarterback for sure to third-string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with anything you said there. I mean, the thing about it is, is that he was brought in here to run Nagy's offense and to be efficient because they thought – that Mitch wasn't that type of quarterback for them. And what we see, we see miscommunication between Foles and Nagy. Like you said, we saw him looking down at that damn play sheet, looking at his yep. wrist, you know? And so I gave Nick Foles a D plus. And <laughs> the only reason I gave him that, I'll just be honest with you. It was because of that fourth quarter rally when he came off the bench against the Falcons. That throw that he made to Anthony Miller when he told him to run to the L, that's mm-hmm. the only reason why he got that D plus for me. <laughs> I can't remember who it was against, but anyhow, he came in for that one play and he threw that bad pass when he came in. I was like, you know what? This is what we had you on the bench anyway. I think you alluded to this a couple of episodes yeah. ago. It's the way I was like, dude, he's just terrible. But I do see your understanding with that D plus, though, for giving him that. I, I totally understand. Yep. <laughs> but he didn't inspire much confidence and he definitely didn't prove that he was worth that fourth round pick that Ryan Pace gave up. As we always talk about, man, this offense was awful with him as quarterback. And one of the things when I think of Nick Foles is it was interesting that the organization went out of their way in that end-of-season press conference mm-hmm. to make excuses for him. They talked about the fact of the lack of the running game and offensive woes, and they, they kind of threw Mitch under the bus in, in that press mm-hmm. conference, and I didn't like that. Now, I would never cheer for someone to be injured, but it took Nick Foles to get hurt for Nagy to basically put Mitch back in the in the game, right? I put agree. Him back in the lineup. Nat decision right there or the basically Nick Foles injury is what saved Nagy's job but I give Nick Foles a D plus D plus okay I can roll with that brother what were you thinking with Tyler Bray third string quarterback it looks like with him uh, he didn't get an opportunity of course I think we can get it better again we didn't see much for him but I would like to see um, him in some preseason games if there's a preseason game right if we get some for the next season I would love to see what he's able to do but right now I don't know enough about him to really see what he's able to do on the NFL level just need to see more from him yeah, I gave him an incomplete. I just said it's hard to grade him based on one series off the bench. Right. That was when he came in against the Vikings when the Foles got hurt. So the Bears with, with Tyler Bray, they've kept him basically as like an emergency quarterback, mm-hmm. practice squad type of guy. And yep. the only reason that he's around is because he knows Nagy's offense. So honestly, it is what it is, I guess. I, 
They probably keep him. <laughs> they probably keep him around to make Trubisky's and gravy happy. He's a Tyler Bray guy, so right, right. They might keep him around. Yeah, they might keep him around. I just <laughs> see enough from a man to say what what he's able to do for us and what he cannot do for us. Right, just don't know it. Again, we don't feel that highly of him. That's the reason why we're not got out the quarterbacks and stuff like that too. But anyhow. I just don't know with him. I mean, like I said, him being third stream, he can continue being third stream right now. I just don't see a guy like him moving up to two or one anytime soon. That's all. No, that's not who he is. So when you look at this quarterback group, I would just say all in all, Mitch, Foles, Bray, they're not the answer to the questions that that we have here for this offense and for this team. So Brian Pace, upgrade this position, please. Big time. We need it. (laughs) All right, so we're going to move over to the running back position, and I'm going to kick it off with uh, with my boy David Montgomery. I'm going to give him an A. We've said many times on this show, A-Dub, that while it wasn't always pretty on offense over the course of the, the season, mm-hmm. when Nagy finally decided to give Montgomery the ball, especially in that latter half of the season, that's when we saw Montgomery emerge and he burst onto the scene. And from week 12 on, I thought he was one of the best running backs in the, in the, in the game. Once the Bears committed to running the ball, that's when this team found an identity on offense. Because right. when Montgomery, his running style and breaking off those runs, that took the pressure off of Mitch. So I, I noticed when you mentioned about how Laser, you know, with the play call and how he bootlegged and RPOs. But I think mm-hmm. also another thing that to think about is the fact of when you're able to run the ball well, that takes pressure off the quarterback. And then the quarterback can now you'd be utilized more in play action. And that opens up the field you know for those shots absolutely i just think the biggest key for Nagy is just continue to commit to montgomery being the centerpiece on offense in 2021 but i give that kid an a oh you give him an a i give him an a as well and you alluded to this already prayer so i'm not going to repeat that part but i definitely hear your point with utilizing him we didn't utilize him enough in this season what's crazy about it though prayers what's really crazy about it this guy was still fifth in the nfl from yards from scrimmage even being underutilized so imagine if we utilized him enough, right? Imagine if this guy got more opportunities to rush the football. Imagine we put him more in, in, in passing uh, options as well. This guy could have ran up the stat sheet, you know, really, because he's that impactful on this team. And imagine how well the quarterbacks will even look on this team when you utilize him that way. So we played a different style. I thought when we started utilizing him more, that means we would start to operate off the run game. And this guy showed that, hey, he can carry the load. So I gave him an A as well because of that. Ability to break tackles. We saw that, right? You talk about you talked a lot about that part of the press with yep. them breaking tackles. He showed that every single time, man, that hey, one guy is not going to slow him down. And this kid started to turn it on. I'm happy for him. And I'm looking out to see what he's going to do next year because I'm telling you right now, I think it's going to be even better press next year. I think so too, brother. I think so too. What what, what would your grade be for Tariq Cohen? Tariq Cohen was uh, incomplete because he got injured. So, um, yeah, the fact that they got injured, it really did change a lot of things for us from a running back standpoint because we did utilize him the years before, right? And not having him in some of these special plays, right, to where we could throw these defenses off, it really hurt us. So I gave him an incomplete because, again, the injury just just ruined a lot. Yeah, I also gave him an incomplete. I mean, he only played in three games after he suffered that uh, ACL injury. Mm-hmm. But you could tell that this offense missed his presence because they struggled yes. a lot without him. Not only just on offense, but special teams as well. So yep, his numbers were decent, but I think it's more of the absence and the threat of having somebody like that in your lineup. That's the thing that we missed with him. And it's probably why the team prioritized signing him to a contract extension before that injury. Right, right. I see why. It makes sense for that injury, but you're right. Not having him was a big loss. It's a big loss. 
But I look forward to seeing him back on the field in 2021, and hopefully Nagy finds a way to utilize him as well because that's a key weapon on this ball club. Absolutely. What did you give Corderell Patterson as a running back? What was his grade? As a running back, I gave him a C. I gave him a hard C in running back because I like his effort. He's really good on sweeps, right? You give him the ball on sweeps. But you can't, you can't be one of those guys you can rely on as far as running back goes, right? I'm going to get this guy 15, 20 carries. He's not that type of running back. No. Uh, he's one of those guys who give you a change of identity. We throw him out there. It's more of a trick play kind of a thing and give it to him and let him burst out. But I gave him a C because uh, when, he did, when he do come out there, he give it his all. He run hard. No matter what, the, how it falls, how many yards he gets, he doesn't quit on plays. So I do like that aspect of him. So I gave him a C for effort. All right. There you go. A-Dub's grading on the curve around here. <laughs> I gave him a C-, minus, uh, but okay. I definitely agree with what you said. I mean, Patterson at running back wasn't what we envisioned, mm-hmm. but he had his moments, and he ran the ball hard, so I give him that, right? Yep. And you could tell that Nagy wanted to get more opportunities to get him the ball and get him the, uh, the football, and I think that's why they moved him to running back, but it was just a mixed bag for me, and it just right. made me realize that, A, we need a number two running back behind Montgomery. And I don't even think that Tariq Cohen should be that number two. I think that Tariq Cohen should be utilized as more of a, a gadget type player. Play him in passing downs, put him in the slot. But we need yep. to get a bona fide number two in there to back up Montgomery. I agree with you 100%. I think I got to say that again, what you just said. We need a number two running back. Somebody can back up David Montgomery. That's right. All right, so we're getting down the, the running back group a little bit. So we got Ryan Nall. I gave him a D minus. <laughs> <laughs> he was the uh, team's third running back. Wasn't used as much, but even still, he was used as more than I would have been comfortable with them using him. Right. Uh, when we did see him on the field, it was either like in a blocking situation or they had him come out of the backfield as a, as a receiver. I'm going to never forgive him for having that false start and against the fucking Vikings. I'm like, as a running back, that have a false start. <laughs> Unacceptable. He's just not good, bro. Just not good. Get him off my team. D minus. That's right. It. Hey, look, I gave him a D minus as well. Uh, he's just not, he's just not it. He's just not the answer. Period. No. Matter of fact, like you say, in those critical games, he shouldn't be in. I think there's only two times he should be in the game. When we're losing badly or when we win it by a large amount of points. That's the only time you should see Ryan Nall in the game. Right. Anywhere else, when the game is, is on the line or where we have a, a critical play, he should not be in the game. Just my no. two cents on him. Yeah, that's coaching because he was in some critical situations and it didn't make sense. At all. <laughs> At all. What about Artavis Pierce? Well, what grade did you give him? Um, I went uh, incomplete for him, too, you know, um, Artavis Pierce, because um, he didn't get a lot of opportunities, right? With that limited time frame, I couldn't really grade him effectively, right? So I will say for him, incomplete. I don't even think he's a long-term solution for us either. With that, he's a guy I would say could possibly be third stream, right? Someone after um, Montgomery and a number two, real number two, we may have him as a third guy, possibly. Right. I wouldn't even take Ryan Nall as a third guy. <laughs> I would probably take Arturia Pierce over him at that, just to see. Yes. But yeah, with that, we didn't see enough. Yeah, it was it was it was hard to give him yeah. a grade. I agree with the incomplete because he just didn't see the field enough. I mean, during his rookie mm-hmm. season, so it was difficult to give him a grade. But right. I see a lot of potential for him. Undrafted kid. Obviously, we mm-hmm. talked about his Oregon State affiliation earlier in the episode. He only saw action in a few games, and I think the biggest game that he got carries in was that Vikings game. That was the game that Montgomery missed because he had that concussion. Right, the concussion. Yep. But then we also saw him in that blowout win against the Jaguars, and I think that was the game. Did he score a touchdown in that game? 
I think he may have. Yeah, I think he may yeah. have got it in his own. Yeah. So I would just say it was a very short sample size for mm-hmm. him, but there's some definitely some really solid potential with uh, with Pierce. Mm-hmm. It looks like he wants the opportunity too. You you can see that he really wants it. Um, like I said, if I had to choose between him and Ryan All, I would I'd probably go Artavius Pierce to give him an opportunity, a chance, and see what this kid can do. That's right. But going into the next season, I feel really good about Montgomery. I feel really good about Tariq Cohen coming back. I would love for us to get a number two back in there. And then I would definitely love to see what Pierce may be able to do as a three. So absolutely, I agree with you 100%. All right. We are now to the wide receiver group, A-Dub. Starting off with the brother, Allen Robinson. What's your grade? Man, I got to get A-Rob an A, man. No doubt. He has carried the load for us. Hey, I'm- Got to give him the money, man. I'm telling you right now, this is going to look appealing to any quarterback that coming on his team. You got to give this guy the money. Give it to him. He's earned it. He's been our guy, our go-to guy the entire games. I mean, this guy is a weapon for us. He can run great routes. You can also put him in the slot if you need be. This guy know how to get open. Again, run great routes, and he got great hands. You know, I can definitely like a guy like him on my team, and he's a guy that can carry the load. He don't mind you going to him. 10 to 12 targets a game. That's the guy you want to go to. I mean, shit, brother. I, I mean, I, I feel you. I gave him an A+. Plus. Where would this offense be without Allen Robinson? I mean, we, we talk about it in the show all the time. He's been the Bears' best offensive player over the last couple of seasons. And that is a feat in itself considering how terrible this offense has been during his time with the club. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say his season was perfect because there were times on the podcast where I was critical of him when he ran out of bounds. Right. Yep. And some of those catches that he was making with, he wasn't going after the yards after the catch. But however, mm-hmm. I still think that might be nitpicking when you look at the overall picture of what he's brought to this offense. He's invaluable. He doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. And again, he was snubbed in Pro Bowl and All Pro voting. Correct. Last point that I have on A Rob, and I'm sure not too many people would disagree, but if he were on a better team with a better quarterback plan, a better scheme, could you imagine the numbers? that A-Rob will put up. Oh, that is no doubt. <laughs> Whether he's a number one or number two on somebody else's squad, he would kill those stat sheets with a better quarterback for sure. Yeah, he would be a number one on that squad, but this this is the thing. Resign A-Rob, pay that man what he wants. Pay him. Pay him up. So we're going to go over to your boy, Darnell Mooney, and I am going to give him an A. Okay. All I'm going to say about him is we say a lot about Ryan Pace's struggles in the first round of the drafts, right? But he has definitely shown you that he's got an eye for talent in those later rounds. Darnell Mooney is a perfect example of that A-dub. Mm-hmm. Fifth-round draft pick. And as I mentioned, you know, in a, in a previous episode, he proved to be one of the biggest steals in the 2020 NFL draft. So I'm just going to let you hit it from here, but, dude, he made an immediate impact, and he became the clear number two in that offense, bro. Here's what I want to tell you right now, Prez. What just you got? with me. Money Moon! Okay. Money moon, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, the bank was open, man. For most of that <laughs> season, the bank was open. Now, I'm not saying I always got in the end zone, but the bank was open, right? And, <laughs> and I will say this about him, man. The kid has great hands. You can put him in, you know, uh, jet play. You can also put him in a slot. You can put him all over. You can put him actually go straight wide out and just actually uh, make the big plays. This kid can do it all, man. He really can, Perez. He's a good complimentary player to A-Rob. That is a kid I will say, you know, uh, like you said, Ryan Pace found in his later rounds. And this kid can do a whole lot for us, man, finding him. So um, he's going to be somebody who I will say for sure that can have a nice career with us. I do like his route running ability. He's a tough kid. He only missed one catch in the season. 
and that really hurt him badly. He was so pissed by missing that one catch, man. And that's on his mentality right now as we speak. <laughs> so um, this kid, man, is, I'm telling you right now, Prez, he's a threat, man. I like his speed. You can give it to him in a short. He can make something out of it, right? You give him a, a two-yard pass, he can turn it to eight or ten easily. I mean, this kid got the speed, he has the hands, and he has the ability, and he wants to get better. So I like the fact that we got him involved in the game. I think we can get involved even more next season. Agreed. The only thing that I would add is I was really impressed with this kid that his first investment when he became a pro is he bought a jugs machine. And you mm -hmm. can tell he uses it because that kid does not drop the ball often. All right, man. What about your boy, Anthony Miller? Can't <laughs> get right. <laughs> man, Anthony Miller gets a C- minus for me. The reason I gave him a C- minus, Prez, he showed flashes, right? And this is what this is what this is what pisses you off with him, right? He shows flashes of making tough catches. Yep. And then he missed the easy ones. I was like, what the hell? Um, <laughs> so that's what you worry about him with, right? And you also worry about his mentality in game time of actually making this stuff as impactful, right? Getting open in these zones, you know. And he wasn't finding the holes or the gaps in those zones. And I was wondering, like, where are you on offense? Where are you? Get in the game. It's like they have to call plays for him to get him in the game because he was not, you know, working to try to get himself open enough or understand where he should be in some of these uh, zone coverages. So to me, I think a guy like him has so much talent, but definitely didn't utilize it well. The reason I gave him that C right there, Prez, because the fact you can also use him on punt return, right? And he seems to be pretty good in that area. So overall, uh, I look at his entire makeup, I gave him that. But he's a guy who took steps back as far as from a wide receiver standpoint. Okay, I, I feel you there. I gave him a D plus. And I'll just say this, man. He was one of the bigger disappointments of the season for me. Mm -hmm. And you remember... This was supposed to be his breakout season, and he mm -hmm. was my preseason breakout candidate. You remember, that was my choice. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, again, to your point, he showed that he was inconsistent, and he got passed up by a fifth-round draft pick in Darnell Mooney as the right. number two receiver, right? Right. You could also tell over the course of the season that they lost confidence in him. His playing time just started to dip, 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 and dip. And I'm sorry, but I'm never going to forget him throwing that punch at C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the wildcard game and getting ejected. We were already shorthanded. <laughs> yep, yep. So get him the fuck out of here. Sorry, D+. plus. <laughs> hey, look, I am not mad about that, uh, that, that grade you gave him. What you give Javon Williams? Man, Javon Williams, he gets the same thing for me, a D+. Plus. This is where I like Williams at. I thought Williams was very good when it came down to blocking, right? He's a guy for me. I think you put him in block and let him block for you, whatever. He can probably do better in those areas. You have him go a little bit. He can he can run some good routes at times. But I think for me, he didn't show me enough, right? He was he, he didn't show me as, as a guy who can be reliable, right? When you, you talk about wide receivers and things of that nature. They have to be reliable. He wasn't that candid for us. And again, he didn't get many opportunities either because of that, right? And you got to get open, man. You got to get open. And I didn't see him get a breakaway speed to show they can get open and on some of those coverages. So for me, I gave him a D plus. Okay. No, that's totally fair. I gave him a D minus. So he was a seven round draft pick out of Georgia. Mm -hmm. And this goes to show you that not all late round draft picks end up like Darnell Mooney. And that's why that was such a good pick by the Bears because mm -hmm. Javon Williams is not what Darnell Mooney is. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing about this, Williams has had some flashes. You know, as again, we've talked about him being a decent blocker on the show. Yep. But he hasn't established himself as a dependable receiving option. Right. So, he isn't targeted much when he is on the field. But when they do target him, it's not pretty. So that 50-yard touchdown pass in the wildcard game that he dropped, case uh, in point. Brutal, right? Brutal. 
And then the fight that he got into again with CJ Gardner Johnson in week eight. That yep. should have gotten his ass cut from the team right then and there. It should have. Because the fact of the matter is somebody had broke this down on social media about the amount of time between the play when C.J. Gardner ripped his mouthpiece out of his mouth to when he actually got back in the game. And it was like the equivalent of almost like 15 or 20 actual minutes. That he couldn't get his head back in the game after that amount of time of being on the bench. That right there just showed you he made that all about him. It had nothing to do about the game. And it's that type of mentality that we don't need on this team. We don't, man. You got to keep your head in the game. And the fact that he did that was devastating. As a matter of fact, he actually gave Nick, uh, uh, he gave um, the coach a way out, right? He gave Nagy a way out when they, in his press conference by having that bad play, uh, even though we had a bad game. But he gave the coach a reason <laughs> to uh, pinpoint that particular situation. But you're right, man. We can't have that from players on our team. We just really just can't. And Nagy said he didn't see it because he had his head in that fucking menu sheet. So right. <laughs> so yeah. Well, that's another story for another day. All Nagy. right. We got Riley Ridley. I gave him an incomplete, and I would just say many of us were calling for him to get more opportunities here in this second season. And as you guys, listeners, remember, I was on that free Riley Ridley train all season. And once again, he spent a majority of the season as a healthy scratch on the inactive list. I don't know what he did to Matt Nagy personally, but he must have hurt this man's feelings because they do not let this kid play. And it's really... Interesting that you let a, a mid-round draft pick just rot on your team and don't give the kid an opportunity to play. Right, right, right. Yeah, man. It, it just shows you, man, that um, Riley really is a kid who really wants to play. And like you said, I don't know what happens with him and Nagy. But the kid seems like he has a lot of potential. And unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see that this year. When he should have gotten a chance, right, opportunity, when uh, Miller wasn't looking so good, I would like to see him rally really get out there and show us what he got. I mean, this kid came in, you know, didn't play much at all in the Saints game, came out real quickly and got a couple catches, right? It's like, dang, why this guy didn't play more often, you know? So mm-hmm. um, you wonder what coaching is thinking when it comes down to Riley really. And a matter of fact, I don't even care what they think because, again, they got it wrong <laughs> with them. So uh, I think they should let this kid play more. Yeah, they really should have. That was a missed opportunity. Incomplete as far as grade-wise. Okay. Yes. So same here. Yep. On to the tight end position. Jimmy Graham, what you got? I gave Jimmy Graham, but I gave him a B minus because I know people wonder about the fact he got that big contract, you know? But one thing I will say about Jimmy Graham is um, he was a threat when it came to the red zone for us. Put him in red zone, this guy can, you know, put him with his own pretty small. He can actually outbeat him, out jump him a little bit, and it can make some plays. And I thought for him, he could have got more opportunities with, that he didn't under Nagy in those red zone opportunities. But I think we should have given more more chances in that area. So I will say for him, I thought he was a B-minus for this season. Got a lot of touchdowns this year, quite a bit of them. And I think he got about eight. And again, all that most of that came through the red zone play. So I will say well, a guy like him, that's what he's most effective at. And that's what we should utilize him more at as well. So put him in the block and whatever in those areas. You talked about that before, Perez, that he wasn't that great in that. But I will say this, an offense standpoint, Give him a chance. He can make something happen, though. Totally fair point. I gave him a B. Okay. It might be surprising for you to hear that, considering mm-hmm. that when he was signed here, I criticized the the pick and the acquisition. So what he did is he actually proved to me that he was a reliable target in the passing game for them. Yep. And when he was targeted and used correctly, he made the most of those opportunities. I agree. One thing that a lot of people don't realize is that in one season with the Bears, he had eight touchdowns. He exceeded his touchdown total in two seasons that he had with Green Bay because he only had five with them in two seasons. Right. 
And what we saw with Jimmy Graham is it, it still was a situation with Nagy where he didn't scheme and utilize him as well as he could have been. There were too many mm-hmm. times where we saw Jimmy Graham not on the field in crucial situations in the red zone or right. in situations where his height and athleticism could have had uh, been a mismatch uh, for the offense, right? Right. We also saw where his reps started to decline towards the, you know, the, in, the, in the middle or end of the season. So that was a, a situation that a lot of those things weren't Jimmy Graham's fault. It wasn't. Yeah. So the thing is, I give him the B. I don't think that he's going to be around next season just because the way that his, his uh, contract is set up, it'll save us some really good, valuable cap space by parting ways with him. But mm-hmm. his one season in Chicago, if he does not return, was not a bad season at all. Right. And I hope he's able to show, hopefully, the young commit was able to learn a couple of things from, you know, through that time frame. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, the youngster Cole Komet, I gave him a C plus a dub. Mm-hmm. I would say there were a lot of expectations from this kid when he was the top, our top draft pick coming out of Notre Dame. We heard a lot of reports about how he was tearing it up in training camp, right? Yes. Yep. That's true. But the one thing that a lot of people have to realize with tight ends it takes them a while to develop as they get used to the speed of the NFL game. And so we heard all this talk about how Komet was killing it in training camp, but he was almost invisible in the offense earlier in the season. He wasn't playing. We didn't really know what we had in the kid. And it took, when Bill Lazor took over play calling, you guys are going to notice a theme here. When Bill Lazor took over his play calling from Nagy, that's when you saw Komet start to get more involved in the offense. Right. And that's when he started to show some flashes. Mm-hmm. So it did take him a little while to get going, but I think that had more to do, A-Dub, with the, his usage and the fact that Nagy wasn't playing him than the kid's potential himself. So I look forward to seeing what he could do in C- uh, season two, but the kid is tough and plays hard. So C-plus for Cole Komet. I gave him a C-plus as well, Perez, and I like everything you shared already on him. The one thing that I didn't like with him early on was when he played a little soft, right? He calls that fumble, I believe. That off the hit, and it was a pass that came in the end zone that he dropped. I was like, "What's going on, kid? You only get limited time, not time out on the field." I want to take full advantage of that. So for me, I thought that was um, a little bit of a concern. But overall, he started to, like you said, with under Bill Lazor, started to cook a little bit, started to get involved in the offense, started to show some of that strength and power. I mean, he was started crushing guys, you know, when he catched the ball. So I was like, "Yeah, I saw. I was, we saw a lot from him, man, um, later in the season." So I will say, I'm looking forward to seeing him play next year and getting more opportunities to show us what he's made of. Yeah, I mean, I would say when it came to Cole with some of those early season mishaps, I think those were more like mental yeah. uh, mishaps that he was making. I won't call the kid soft because right. I always joke with people. He's from Barrington, and mm-hmm. I say he doesn't play like a kid from Barrington because that right. kid, he's looking for contact, and he's trying to run through people. Yeah. That's something about him that I really enjoy watching. Yep, and I saw more of that, like you mentioned, Perez. You're right. He actually just played that way. but He's not a soft player. <laughs> it just looked that way, but he wasn't a soft player. But I will, yeah. like you said, he uh, is a guy who is tough. Um, but once he's got his mental right, was able to get involved in the game, got his confidence right, you saw what you saw what he's able to do. And I think you're right. He's a guy that can catch, can run through you. And he started to make some big hits on guys when he had the ball. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 like, I like him a lot. I really do. All right. Well, fair points there. What about Demetrius Harris? Demetrius Harris, I think with him, I gave him, I will say a C, just a regular C. And with that, he didn't get a lot of opportunities like that, but he tried to make the best of his time out there. He didn't get a lot of opportunities, right? Because he had to split the bill with all three of them. But when he was out there, he was trying to be effective and try to show some signs. But he wasn't someone we can say we can rely on in the passing game because he didn't get a lot of opportunities there either. But in blocking, they tried to put him there too to help us out. Again, he didn't a guy that really hurt us or pulled us down. So I will say for him, 
for the time he got out there, I would give him a C. So I look at this one slightly different. I gave Demetrius Harris a D. D, okay. I think when they added him at free agency, mm-hmm. they were looking at him as somebody that was going to be a solid blocker and somebody that has some potential in the passing game. So in the beginning part of the season, we saw that Demetrius Harris actually had a role with the team because he was the number two tight end. That was before Cole Komet started to emerge a bit. Right, right. But then as Cole Komet started to get more and more involved, that's when we saw Demetrius Harris' role start to decline. So Harris was heavily involved in the passing game earlier in the season, and I thought that was one of Nagy's many bad decisions because he didn't catch the ball worth a damn. He struggled to catch the ball. He had a lot of bad blocks. He had penalties. So there was just a lot of his game that I just said, no, I'm I'm, I'm good. (laughs) But it didn't take the Bears long to stick mostly with uh, Graham and and Komet, and they let uh, Harris play mostly on special teams. So he can... He could get up off this team, you know. He could, yeah. We don't really need him, man. Um, it's shocked that we still had, like you said, that was that's part of the reason behind it. But I thought he did okay. You know, I didn't think he's a guy that stood out to me as far as somebody who's gonna be special. But you're right, maybe they brought him on board expecting him to be special, but <laughs> for what I saw, he wasn't a guy anything like that. <laughs> no, not at all. JP Holtz is the last tight end that we'll talk about here. I gave him a grade of an incomplete. I'm not gonna talk about him too much. He didn't see the field much in 2020. When he did, he usually came on a run and play or when the Bears needed an extra blocker. But it's just difficult to give a guy like that a grade when he was only targeted once all, all season. So I gave him incomplete. Same here. Nothing more to say on that. All right, A-Dub. Man, let's get into the trenches here. Let's start with the defensive line. Hakeem Hicks, talk to us. Hicks, that's my man. I gave Hicks a B plus. And the reason I gave him a B plus because uh, Hicks is a presence in that middle, man. I mean, he can get back there. He can make some things happen. When he got hurt, we really saw his value miss, right? In week 12 against the Packers, we really missed him. I mean, he can add, apply pressure. He can also help in the run game as well to stop the run. I mean, Hicks, to me, is, is, is a guy that I will say, you know what, is big time. The only thing I get reason why I gave him that B-plus versus an A press is because Hicks also lost his mind on times as well from the standpoint of picking up penalties, things of that nature that, that was out of character for him. For a guy like him, you expect a little bit more. So for me, I gave him a B-plus. thought the guy, again, did a lot of good stuff for us, man. We're getting back in the backfield and making things happen. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I definitely, you know how I feel about Hakeem Hicks, man. I mean, he's he's the engine on that defense. Mm-hmm. I gave him I gave him an A minus. Okay. And I'll just say this to piggyback off of what you said. There's a noticeable difference with that defense with him mm-hmm. versus when he's not there. Right. And so they're always a better team when Hicks Hicks on the field. Mm-hmm. We we saw it in that in that Vikings game when Dalvin Cook was neutralized when Hakeem Hicks was in the game. And then when Hakeem Hicks went down with the hamstring injury, mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook started to rattle off runs. So absolutely, th- this guy is somebody that we, he's vital to the success of this, def- this defense. I agree. I would just say he reminded everybody this season why he's the anchor of that D-line. I love this guy to death, and I love what he brings to the team. To your other point, there is some times where he plays a little undisciplined out there, but mm-hmm. I think that's the stuff that you just have to come to accept with a guy like that because he plays with so much fire and, and passion and emotion. But A minus for A minus for Hakeem Hicks. Okay. I can roll with that. All right. So we're down to Bilal Nichols. I give Bilal a B plus. I would say going into the season, I didn't really know what to expect with Bilal with Eddie Goldman deciding to take the season off due to mm-hmm. COVID precautions. Bilal Nichols had shown flashes leading up to this season. So for me, it was I was hoping 
that he would be able to step up in Goldman's presence. But mm-hmm. he fucking not only stepped up, but he really emerged this season. He had a very impressive season for us. And I think he submitted himself as somebody that could be a potential big-time player on his defense going forward. He definitely earned himself a nice future contract, whether that's an extension with the Bears mm-hmm. or a free agency contract with a different team. Look, man, I'm with you. I thought Nichols, man, was definitely a B-plus on my side as well. I like him a lot. I mean, this guy, again, with him and, a, and Hicks together, like I said, you talk about applying pressure. This guy can definitely do just as good as Hicks, right, when it comes out of that, man. And um, I'll tell you, man, watching him against the Vikings in week 15, it was like, man, this dude, Nichols, man, he can play. He really can play, man. He really can ball. And I like the fact that, I mean, when he gets on the inside, man, he can make some stuff happen. I think you try to put these big guys on him, he can get up in that, in, that, in, that, in that pocket, get up in there in those gaps and shoot it, man, on that line, off that line, and make some things happen and get to that quarterback. So I like him a lot. Definitely understand you there. Uh, what do you give Brent Urban as, uh, as his grade for this season? I gave Brent Urban, I gave him a B minus. I like Brent Urban. I really do. I like him a lot. I will say this here. The reason why I came with B minus is because the other guy stole some of his thunder. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you asked about Higgs and Bilal Nichols, man. It's like you, you going in with some other guys that are really, really strong. So they can probably pull you down a little bit from that perspective by taking up some of your work, right? And I, I will say, but Brent Urban gave us valuable minutes. He did also knew how to shoot in there, man, put apply pressure as well. And I thought he did a good job for us when he was able to do that. So uh, I like him a lot. I really do. But I'm not sure we're going to be able to retain him down the road. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I gave him a B. And I would just say every year with this defensive line, we get like a standout breakout player. And I thought that Brent Urban was one of those guys on this defense. Mm-hmm. He established himself as a very dependable reserve. Yep. I mean, you got to think about that. Our D-line suffered a lot of injuries, and we were missing, obviously, some bigger names, you know, as mm-hmm. we mentioned with Goldman being out, and then, obviously, Ray Robinson-Harris being out. So I thought he had a very solid season. The thing with Brent Urban, though, is he's set to hit the open market, as we talked about on a, on a previous show, when we talked about our upcoming free agents. Yeah. I hope that we can re-sign him on a team-friendly deal, but I'm just going to say that, obviously, he probably has earned himself a larger contract. But mm-hmm. he was one of the bigger assets on that defensive line. So I gave Brent Urban a, a B. Oh, yeah, man. And we, like you said, we didn't lose a beat when he was in the game, man. It was like, hey, we still got our guys out there. And I like the depth of this line. I really do. Absolutely. Mario Edwards Jr. is the next guy up. And I gave him a B minus. Okay. He was another one of those surprise guys that stepped it up this season. A great acquisition that was made right before the start of the season by Ryan Pace. Mm-hmm. One of his underrated moves on the year. So Mario Edwards Jr., I thought very impressive. Jay Rogers, who we lost to the Chargers, did a phenomenal job with this D-line and getting these guys up and ready to go. The thing with Mario Edwards Jr., though, for us to kind of talk about, audience, though, is that he had some off-the-field concerns. And mm-hmm. so he has that two-game suspension at the start of 2021 for PEDs. So it makes you wonder if he'll be back here. But I think that that two-game suspension, as I mentioned in our free agency episode, it may give it may give the Bears an opportunity to re-sign him at a team-friendly level. Mm-hmm. So B minus for Mario Edwards Jr. I gave him just a regular B, uh, Mario okay. Edwards Jr. And this is the reason why I like him though. I like him in the run game, like because he's a guy who get in that backfield, bro, and he's quick to get some tackles on these running backs. And so I like him in that area there. I, when he gets in and applies some pressure, that's a guy that does make an impact from there. So I gave him a B based upon that part as well. And not to mention, he had four sacks this season as well. So mm-hmm. he definitely got after yep. the quarterback's ass, too. Yep. 
What did you give uh, Roy Robinson Harris for his grade? I gave Roy Robinson Harris, gave him a C plus. I like Roy Robinson Harris too. I think he's part of the depth of, of the team. He makes a difference too when he applies pressure. I think all these guys together, right, on that line applies pressure, right? But again, some of his work was taken out from him, right, because other guys was making impacts too. So, but I do like him because he give a good push when he's out there. And I'll tell you right there, man, you see that jump on that push when it comes down that when these guys sort of do running plays, he's a big part of that too. And he was getting out to the quarterback as well, applying pressure, even though he didn't always get the tackle or sack. But man, he was out there making a big, big difference. I would give him a C plus. So I gave Roy Robinson Harris a B minus. So he's okay. Obviously, a former undrafted free agent. Another one of the many success stories that we've seen under Jay Rogers. Ray Robinson Harris, he missed the, the last seven games of the season where he was hurt. But right. he was a dependable asset, again, to that D-line. Yep. Unfortunately for the Bears, it just doesn't seem like they're going to be able to retain him because there's going to be a couple of factors that is going to work against us. The salary cap is going to be decreasing in the NFL next mm-hmm. season. And also, we have so many needs in other positions that the defensive line is a position of strength. So Mm -hmm. a guy like that is probably going to be someone you're not going to prioritize re-signing, especially because his value is probably going to be a little bit higher than they're willing to pay. Right, right. It's going to be. I mean, a guy like him is going to be going to be worth something. You know, even though I gave him a C plus, he's going to be worth his value is pretty um, high. But you're right. Some of those injuries do play a factor in it. So I think he had that shoulder injury, right? Wasn't the shoulder injury he had? That's going to be a factor, but I think you're right. He's, he's, just going to be one, he's probably going to be one of those guys who'll get a big, bigger paycheck. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think he'll probably be good to go. I know he had the operation on the shoulder. He should be good mm-hmm. to go, and I, I, okay. think he, I think he's going to return back to that form that we saw here with Chicago. But let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's jump into John Jenkins. What grade did you give him? I gave John Jenkins um, a C+. I like him a lot. Uh, he also had a thumb injury this year, but I do like John, man. John has a couple good games for us. To where he was actually able to get in the backfield and you know get get, get to the quarterback. I like him also when it comes down to running down some of these uh running backs. I mean, his lateral moves, you can see John got a little talent, man. He got some talent there. So I, I like him. Yeah, I, I gave him a C again when mm-hmm. Eddie Goldman opted out of the season due to COVID concerns. I think that John Jenkins, he made the most of his opportunity in, in, yep. in, in that absence. And so this is his second stint with the Bears. And I thought he provided some really good depth behind Nichols at uh, mm-hmm. North Tackle, right? Yep. And so with Goldman coming back in 2021, the Bears could decide to let Jenkins walk. However, depending on what happens with Mario was Jr. and Brent Urban and some of these other guys, Ray Robinson Harris, there yeah. could be a situation where we may see Jenkins come back, though, if we lose too many guys. But mm-hmm. when I look at that situation, I, I gave him a C. I'm not mad about that. All right, let's switch gears over to the um, to the offensive line. So we have Charles Leno. What you got for me? I gave Leno a D plus. Okay. I still think there's some challenges over there with Leno over there, man, at the tackle position. This is what he's good at. I, I said when he when he's quick on his feet, get his hands up, he can make some things happen. But I'll tell you, man, these guys, these big pass rushers who are elite, can get around them, man. And it make him look mediocre. And that's a problem for me when it comes down to the Leno. Yeah, you know, I call him the turnstile. Uh, I gave him a C minus. The thing about it is when you look at the NFL, a dub, there aren't many solid left tackles in the league. Right. And Leno has his faults. Trust me. He's got mm-hmm. a lot. Mental mistakes, penalties, holding, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was like decent over the course of the season. Now, you're still not paying a guy $9.25 million to be decent, right? Because it's mm-hmm. hard to justify that. But I would say he'll probably end up coming back another season. He's just, to me, he's not going to be the long-term guy there. But right. <laughs> it's just one of those things. I mean, 
what are you going to do? You, you, we have so many needs at other positions <laughs> that a guy like that, he's going to just be on the team just by default. Right. <laughs> right, right. So, unfortunately for us, he'll be back for another season. So we'll see what happens there. Cody Whitehair. I gave him a B. To me, he remains one of uh, Ryan Pace's best higher draft picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he drafted him in the second round. The thing that I love about Cody Whitehair, A-Dub, is his versatility. Because yes. he can bounce back between guard and center. Mm-hmm. And especially this past season, right? Mm-hmm. We saw that when we lost James Daniels, that then we were able to move Whitehair over to guard, and then Sam Mustafer was able to come and play center. Right. So when we needed to reshuffle things on the line, Cody Whitehair was able to, to make those type of adjustments. And if you recall, I basically called Cody Whitehair my underachieving player from the first half of the season. But the second half of the season, he returned to form. And I really think that they should keep him at guard because he looked very comfortable there and he looked very good. I agree with you. All I will say about Cody is that he seems to be a better guard than he is at center. And I like <laughs> the fact that he plays better at their role. Because sometimes, you know, at the center spot, it's, it's a lot of demanding, right? You got to get the entire line together and be a leader on that line. But him playing guard, he was able to relax a little bit more and just really focus on his game. And I like him better at that position. What grade did you give him? I gave him a B. When he switched, yep. Okay, cool, perfect. What about James Daniels? Man, James Daniels was, he was a guy that was on the verge of becoming a, a B for me, but he became incomplete due to his injury, right? He didn't play enough time out there in the field when he got hurt. But I'll tell you, man, Big James was making a difference when he was playing. He was a big presence. He showed a lot of improvement this year for me. I mean, in, in the run and blocking game, man, that guy shown that he's a presence. I mean, he was pushing back those guys. Like, you're not getting in. Not today. Uh, but, yeah, I, I miss Big James when he uh, got hurt. And we missed him badly when he got hurt, too. So, um, I will say a guy like him, I really did like until he got hurt. Yeah, I would I would definitely trend where you were going with that. I gave him a B, mm-hmm. but probably more close to an incomplete. But the only reason why I would give him the B mm-hmm. is – because of the work that he did in the offseason. And I talked about this earlier in the season. He spent a lot of his time getting stronger, right? Yes. And, and that showed up during the season. Mm-hmm. Now, while he only played those five games because he tore his, his pec muscle, he didn't allow any sacks all season. He only had one penalty all year mm-hmm. when, when he played those five games. And I thought that was huge. And mm-hmm. he's going to be entering a contract year next year. So, you know, he's probably going to be looking to build even more on what he did in 2020. Man, I look forward to seeing what he does when he comes back. I agree. I totally agree with you. Because he was he was our best offensive lineman when he was out there earlier in the season. I think so. I agree with you on that perspective. Yep. All right. What about Big Sam Mustafer? Sam Mustafer. I, I like Sam, man. I, I gave Sam a B minus, right? Okay. Um, but I do like him at center, though. I, I'll say this much. He showed me a lot at center. It's oh, like, it's, of course. Yep. Yes. Sam has shown to me that he's gotten better. He has gotten better as, as much as he played, right, with us at center. It's like every game you start to see improvement from Sam. Every game, like, man, Sam can, is really, you know, demanding the offensive line this way. So I like what I saw from him. The kid seems to be a leader, a hard worker. Um, I like what he was able to give us um, this year. Yeah, man, he was one of the biggest surprises on the season for us. Uh, yep. this, this is a guy that you had just sitting there, and he wasn't playing. But this is also one of the points that we made on the midseason episode where I talked about the fact that, hey, if you have guys on this team that aren't getting it done, well, guess what? You got some young guys that are hungry and they're chomping at the bit for that opportunity. And mm-hmm. Sam Mustafer was one of those guys that made the most of his opportunity. So I gave him a C plus. Okay, okay. I can roll with that. But he made the mess of what we dealt with the offensive line earlier in the season worth it because it forced Nagy and, and those guys to make these moves to get mm-hmm. some people up. And also, it took COVID scares to get Mustafer 
his opportunity, but he ran with Give him it. a chance, right? Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And so, to the point that you made, the thing that I really liked about him is the kid came out there. He was very much a leader. Mm-hmm. He knew how to communicate, and the coaching staff all said, "Hey, this guy's very intelligent, and he brings a lot to the team, and he played like a veteran." So, I really look forward to seeing him improve this off season. Me too. The one thing that I want him to build on is getting stronger at the point of attack. There were some games where he kind of got bullied out there. Yes. Now, that's some area that he's going to have to get stronger. But to be honest with you, I think we got something to this kid if he develops a little bit further. I think so. Yep. I'm with you. All right. Jermaine Fetty, what you give him? I gave Jermaine a C. Okay. He was a decent pickup pick for us as well. At that right tackle position, he kind of shown that he's able to, to hold it down, right? But he wasn't a star-studded stud, if I'm making any sense there. He wasn't a guy that we thought would take us to the next level with that. He missed some blocks on elite pass rushes as well. He picked up some penalties that I didn't like. So, But overall, he was reliable when we played against inferior talent. He showed that, hey, he can hold his own ground against those guys. So for me, I gave him a um, C. I agree with you there, C as well. As we mentioned before, he signed a one-year proven deal in this in the offseason mm-hmm. to replace Kyle Long at guard. And... He ended up getting moved over to right tackle on that reshuffle that they did on the line. Yes. So my thing is, the interior of the line is already set. Mm-hmm. With Whitehair, Daniels, and Mustafer, I think we got our guys here. Right. So I think what, what we're probably going to be looking at is probably upgrading at right tackle, whether that may be a free agency or the draft. And Afedi, he was solid. Didn't do anything too great and wasn't awful. But I still think that's a position that we got to upgrade. I agree. Uh, what about Alex Bars? Alex Bars, I gave Alex Bars um, a C plus. I mean, he was moved around a lot. I think he spent a lot of time the way at right guard, but he did do well, man. His last few games he played, I thought he showed us some solid, some solid um, growth in that area. I mean, he made some good blocks to um, help Montgomery get some good yards. So I like Alex Bars. I really do. I'm just not so sure if he's ready just yet to be the main guy at that position to take over. So I don't know. No, I, I gave him a C minus, and I would say he was a pleasant surprise in 2020. And that was just, to me, another example of a guy that took advantage of an opportunity when it was presented to him. Yep. So he took over at right guard, as you mentioned, when they kicked the uh, Fetty out to right tackle. Right. Bars also started the game at center when Mustafa got hurt. That's true. So he showed a lot of versatility. Now, I don't believe that he's going to be in contention for any of those starting jobs along the interior of the line, especially with James Daniels coming back next season. Right. But the thing that I think the best part about Alex Bars is he's going to give them invaluable depth on that offensive line. So that's the thing that I'm really going to look forward to with him. Perfectly said, brother. All right. Bobby Massey, I gave him a D. <laughs> Just point blank. There's a lot of money invested in this guy. He didn't live up to his contract. And he missed half of the season with a knee injury. So my thing is, I think we can free up cap space by releasing him and just get him out of here. Uh, Bobby Massey, D. I gave him a D as well. I don't pot on people getting hurt, but getting hurt, him getting hurt was um, was good for us because we were able to see other guys get an opportunity. So I'm not a big, huge fan of Bobby Massey. He showed a lot to us that he's not ready to hold down a position. Like you said, we can move on from him. Rashad Coward, I gave him a D minus. They, uh, they signed him back and they wanted him to serve as a, a deaf piece, uh, mm-hmm. especially when the Fetty beat him out at a uh, right guard. Right. But he didn't do that. And then when uh, Massey went down with his knee injury, then they called on Coward to fill in at right tackle, and he struggled. And it took Nagy multiple weeks to finally realize, hey, this project with moving him from defensive line to basically trying to make him an offensive lineman, 
This just isn't it. So the guy, he didn't have it. He should not be returning to this team next year. D minus Rashad Coward. I agree with you. I gave him the same thing. You hit the same points I was going to hit on him. And you're right. A guy like him just struggle a lot with us. And again, he's not a guy that's ready for position. And the thing is, he's a guy I don't even want on the depth chart. Uh, as far as a backup, I think we can move forward, with, move on from him. Yeah, let's get him out of here. All right. So the last two old linemen, we had Jason Spriggs and Arlington Hambright. I gave both of them incomplete grades. What about you? Um, I gave Jason Spriggs. He came in, gave us some decent minutes. So I kind of gave him um, a C minus, though. Um, in his limited role. But you're right. Most of it, he didn't get a lot of time out there either. So uh, it's kind of incomplete with him. Yeah. For him, he was depth at offensive tackle. I do remember the one play where he broke off. the. He basically cleared out the damn entire D-line and broke where uh, Montgomery broke off that yeah. big run. Yep. But he just didn't see enough snaps, at least for me, for me to be able to give him a, a grade. So Understood. I gave him a complete. And Arlington Hambright, he was the rookie. Mm-hmm. He had limited snaps as well. I think he started that one game against the Titans because they basically uh, pretty much all the offensive linemen, I think, had COVID or had close contacts. So he was forced into action. So, again, that's just one of those situations where it's hard to give him a grade. It really is. Based off of what we saw. Yep, I agree with you. Makes sense to me. I gave him incomplete, too, because that wasn't enough for me to really grade him on either. No. All right, let's get to inside linebacker. Roquan Smith. I gave Roquan an A. Roquan should have been... You know, Pro Bowl easily, no doubt. Um, all Pro, no doubt. This guy is all over the field. He stepped this game up this year. Again, I liked him in uh, coverage. And I also liked him when it came down to uh, shooting those guys to stop the run game. This guy can do a hell of a lot. So I do like Roquan a lot. Absolutely, man. I gave him an A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. We, we were looking for uh, to Roquan to have a breakout season. That's exactly what this man did in his third year. Yep. I don't think he was just the best inside linebacker in the Bears. I thought he was one of the best in the entire NFL. So we all know, in our opinions, that we know that he was a pro bowler and all pro. So we don't have to uh, retrace that. But right. this future looks a hell of a lot brighter when you got a guy like this. And let's also look at the fact that he's entering a contract year as well. Yep. So watch out, NFL. Woo, watch out. <laughs> all right. Danny Trevathan, they dub. I gave Danny, uh, I gave Danny um, a, a C. I gave him a C because the fact is, Danny showed that he was able to, wasn't able to keep up on the passing game. You put him in coverage, man, it's almost like, oh, geez, you're setting yourself up for failure. So um, the guy couldn't keep up. He looked to be slow, man, making lateral moves. And um, yeah, I had a problem with that. But when he was on, he was on. And when he came down to making tackles and, and getting it, um, getting to the back, you know, um, on some of these running backs. So I thought he was able to uh, do that. But again, there were so many times out there where I saw inconsistency from him to where he just couldn't keep up. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I gave him a C as well. I think back to the offseason when they were faced with the decision whether to re-sign Danny or to uh, re-sign Nick Kwiatkowski. And at the time, I wanted them to re-sign Danny Trevathan. But I think that Ryan Pace probably made the wrong move there because they probably should have went with the young rising athlete in Kwiatkowski. Because now we gave Danny Trevathan a three-year contract extension. And while he did play a full season, his age started to kind of creep up and he just did not look like he had that same burst and athleticism. And he was getting left a lot of times in coverage. A lot. So definitely an up and down season for Danny Mm -hmm. Trevathan. What do you think about Josh Woods? Josh Woods, I didn't see enough from Josh Woods, but he didn't seem like a guy that can possibly replace Roquan Smith when he got his chance. So uh, for me, I'm like, man, hey man, you in a tough spot right now. So I didn't see enough from him. You can probably make him incomplete, but for me, for what I saw, this guy 
it's just a big a gap between him and Roquan. It's just, that gap is just too huge, man. Just too huge. So yeah. I kind of gave him um, an incomplete, really. Okay. I gave him a D plus. While we primarily relied on uh, uh, Roquan and Trevathan as the inside linebacker combo, when we did have to turn to the reserve linebackers, Woods was like that guy. And he just didn't show up. Like His, his biggest role to me was when he came in in that Packers game and he had to replace Roquan when he got uh, hurt and then he yes. got beat for that touchdown. That right there just showed you that he wasn't ready. He was not. And last season's team had better depth at inside linebacker because you had Kwiatkowski and you had Kevin Pierre-Lewis. And mm-hmm. so the thing about it was we didn't have that type of depth behind the big two. So when mm-hmm. we when when uh, Roquan got hurt, we struggled. Yeah, that that D-plus for Josh Woods. I just think that that okay. was a position that uh, we definitely struggled with. What about your boy Iggy? With him, I would say, you know, with Iggy, man, you could either go incomplete with him or maybe a C. Well, which one? I would probably go C. Okay. All right. And um, I didn't see enough from him, man. I was just saw, I'll just give you that part of it, uh, Perez. Didn't see enough from him. He wasn't that impactful for me, for me to actually rate him that high anyway. Uh, I didn't see the, the tackling there. I didn't see the, you know, um, the impact on the game from him at all. Yeah, I would say the same thing with Josh Woods when it comes to Iggy. He, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't get a lot of playing time, right? Because right. you had your, your one-two punch. Yeah. But it was interesting to me that when uh, Roquan got hurt and when he missed that Saints game, yep. instead of them going with Woods or Iggy, they went down to the practice squad and they put Manti Teo in there. So that, to me, showed you all you needed to know yep. about what the coaching staff thought about these two. So I gave Iggy a D. Give him a D, okay. I, I primarily only gave him that because of what he does on special teams. Other than that, I just think that uh, we need to upgrade at that position in this offseason. I totally agree with you. Yep, we need to upgrade big time. Linebacker, Khalil Mack, I gave him an A-. minus, And I've talked about on this show all season, A-dub, that this guy battled from multiple injuries. He was on the injury report most of the season, but that still couldn't even hold him back. And I thought that he had a very... Very impressive season. And Mm -hmm. the thing about it is, he started all the games. He played in a majority of the snaps out there. He faced double teams, in some cases triple teams. And his impact to me still goes far beyond the box score. I know a lot of people focus on the sacks and they'll say, oh, well, he only had nine sacks. Well, if you turn on the fucking film and you watch this guy play, Man, he is a bad, bad dude. And I look forward to the side turning him loose in 2021. What you got for me, Doug? No, I agree with you. I gave him an A. And the thing is, his impact, right, on that side, the left side, allow other guys to be better. Because, again, he has to, he's going to take up multiple people, right? You're going to have two people that's going to have to guard him. So, with that, Mac is still Mac, man. Um, his impact is still there. He still was able to apply pressure, even though he didn't get sacks a lot. But he was able to, I mean, like that we wanted him to as much as we wanted him to, but he applied that pressure that was still there from inside, right? Even with him playing a little bit injured, look like he was a little hurt out there, like you said, alluded to um, earlier in the podcast. But yeah, man, um, I like him a lot. And again, he's still a presence. That's one thing about Khalil Mack that everyone knows. That guy, when you look at the tape, you look at him play, and when you show up for games, you know that's a guy that they're going to target on defensive end, on defensive side. Yep. All right, Robert Quinn, what's your grade? I gave Robert Quinn a C-. minus. And the reason I gave Robert Quinn a C minus because um, he did apply some pressure late. He, he was hurt, he was hurt earlier, but the thing is, 
I didn't see him having that same explosion that he had when he was with Dallas. If you watch him on tape against Dallas, you will see how quick he was able to get off the ball. The quick hands, the quick hand movement to get across the edge, right? You will see him be able to get around. This year, he didn't have that same like type of explosion I saw from him in the past. So maybe it's probably still due to injury, but I didn't see that quick explosion like that from him around that. Again, a lot of hand movement that he didn't apply, apply this year that he did last year to get around those edges, get around those um guys to get the tackle or knock the ball out. So you saw in his perks, but you didn't see it consistently. Yeah, I gave him a D plus A dub. Okay. The reason why, and I agree with your assessment on how he improved with his pressure uh, towards the middle to late part of the season. He just didn't finish. But the thing that, that made his grade even lower, besides the fact that I thought he was disappointing, mm-hmm. is the fact that we let go of Leonard Floyd. And when we signed Robert Quinn, it was with the idea that he was going to be an upgrade right. over That's Leonard true. Floyd. Mm-hmm. And that was not the case because Leonard Floyd went out to L.A. and he balled. Right. And so Quinn was the Bears' second highest paid player. I don't know if a lot of fans realize that. He didn't play like it. Nope. Now, whether he was dealing with an injury throughout the year, hey, I, I don't know. All I'll just say is when I looked at him on tape, I saw that there was times there that he was making some some solid improvements out there, mm-hmm. but he just didn't finish. And so nope. he didn't justify his contract. And that's just all. the biggest thing there. So I thought he was a really disappointment for the season. Hopefully, if it were injury-related, that he comes back next season and he gets the job done. We'll see. Yeah, next year, next year going to be the tail for him, for sure. But this year, not so good at all. Nope. All right, Barkevious Mingo, I gave him a C plus. Okay. And the reason why, and we and I talked about this in our mid-season review, I basically called him one of Ryan Pace's best uh, unheralded acquisitions. Mm-hmm. So Barkevious Mingo reaped the benefits of getting those increased snaps playing opposite of, of Khalil Mack. So mm-hmm. you remember early in the season, we talked about the fact that Quinn seemed to be on some sort of a snap count, and it's probably because he was probably playing hurt. But Mingo signed one of those one-year proven deals, and he was really reliable coming off the edge, not only just yep. in pressure, but playing the run. Yep. And so I think with a guy like Mingo set to uh, hit the free agent market this offseason, I would love if we could bring him back on a team-friendly deal, but we're going to probably have some competition for him. Yeah, we are, man. I agree with you. Totally agree with you on Mingo. I give him the same grade. I thought, like you said, when he came in for Quinn, and, and sometimes he will be better than Quinn at, at, on plays, especially on those run plays. So, yeah, I like Mingo a lot. All right. What'd you give James Vauders? I gave James Vauders, I gave him a C plus. I liked him as well. I thought he came in and gave us some valuable minutes. He did apply some good pressure when he came in the game. Now, in coverage, I don't think he was great in coverage, of course, uh, from that standpoint, but uh, when he had to. But I will say when he was um, trying to apply pressure, he was a little bit slower to get into the running backs at times. But I will say that he was effective, though, because he was able to cut the field off when he got a chance to get back there and apply that pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, I gave Vauders a C. And I would say with the fact that Quinn earlier on in the season wasn't able to play a a large number of reps, Mm -hmm. we saw Vauders being another one of those reserves that got some good reps out there. I think he's dependable as an outside linebacker. And he's another guy that I wouldn't mind if we re-signed, but only at an affordable cost. Because if we're in this salary cap situation that we are in, a guy like that bringing him back, I think, would be would be huge for us. I agree. All right. The last outside backer is Travis Gibson. What you got for me? 
I didn't see much at all to put him so high. So I kind of gave him an incomplete from what he provides for us. So I didn't think much highly of him. I didn't think bad of him either. Just I didn't see enough. I'll give him a C. Yeah, I gave him a C minus. Uh, mm-hmm. We always knew that he was going to be a project player, which is why the season that he had to me wasn't much of a surprise. Right. He only played in like, I think maybe six or seven games. Yeah. And so that's not like a really big sample size to judge him on. Right. But I would say this. A lot of times in practice, if these guys are showing out and doing things, then they would get more reps in the game. And the fact that Vaughters was getting more of the reps early on kind of showed you that maybe Vaughters was outperforming him in practice. So I would just say hopefully Gibson uses this offseason to improve his game. I'm with you. But yeah, I gave him a C-. Let's get into the secondary, man. Cornerback, Kyle Fuller. I gave Kyle Fuller a B plus. I think Kyle Fuller is a guy that does very good when he's on man-to-man. When you put him too much in, in those soft coverages and playing too much in zone, I don't see his effectiveness, but I do see his effectiveness when it comes down to um, for the run game. He can definitely get some hits out there. He can pie hit. The guy's tough. He's mentally tough, and he's strong. So I do like him a lot, especially on those one-on-one coverages. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I gave him a B-plus as well. Mm-hmm. I think that he improved uh, from his 2019 season, and he was easily the best DB um, on the team. One thing about him is a lot of people focus on the fact that he doesn't have a lot of interceptions, and they, they want him to be more of a playmaker because mm-hmm. he had that seven-interception season back in 2018. Right. But I think that may be more just the scheme than anything, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. So with Kyle Fuller, I love his game. I love his toughness. And he's the biggest hitter that we have in the secondary. I mean, look at that hit that he put on that damn receiver in the Tampa Bay Bucks game. <laughs> yes, he did, man. That guy can lay some wood, man. <laughs> man, I'm telling you. So, yeah, I gave him a B+. Plus. Mm-hmm. All right. Jalen Johnson, I gave a B. One of the things about this draft for Ryan Pace is this, this shaped up to be a pretty decent draft for him. because. Mm-hmm. You got to look at it. There were six DBs that were taken ahead of Jalen Johnson in the NFL draft. And you know that that probably was something that fueled him over the course of the season. Because that kid played with a chip on his shoulder. And I thought he was one of the best rookie DBs in the league. And that shoulder injury that he suffered and where he missed the last, you know, four games of the season, that hurt us. Because we missed his presence out there in that lineup. But I agree. this is a kid that has a very bright future. So I gave Jalen Johnson a B. Yeah, I gave him a B as well. I could have went a little bit higher with him, but the one area that I didn't like him in a lot is I did hate that zone coverage because sometimes you can get a little lost in that zone coverage. And if you're one of those guys who really love man-to-man, love to play physical with these uh, with these wide receivers, you can do that like you want to when you're doing that. But I'll tell you, this kid can get his hands on the ball. He can knock things down, and he can play physical. So I do like what he's able to bring to the table. But I would love to see him more so um, next year at man-to-man coverage. Well, we'll see how the scheme plays out, but I would definitely say that Jalen Johnson had that next play mentality. I love what he brought to that DB position. So sky's the limit for this kid. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Agreed. Long-term with the shoulder things, that just worries me. But uh, let's get into Buster Screen. What grade you have there? I gave Buster Screen um, a C. And the reason I gave him a C because Buster Screen is decent, right? He's decent. He's not great, but he's decent. When you go against elite talent, Buster Screen is waiting over, over his head. I mean, he's in a tough spot going against elite talent. And I've seen a lot of times where a lot of these teams put their best wide receiver in the slot. And Buster Screen could not keep up. Now, against guys who were slower, wasn't that good, he can hold his own ground against those guys. But against elite talent, 
that's not where he's at, man. I still miss a lot of um, plays around that when it, when we get some good guys who, who are great at w- being a wide receiver. So, yeah, man, screen, give him a C. Okay. I gave him a D. Okay. I thought he was the uh, biggest weakness of the secondary. <laughs> Another thing, too, you notice that he was targeted a lot. A lot of the teams, they would match up their best player against him in the slot. We saw it with the Vikings, with Jefferson. We saw it with Thielen. And we saw it with the Titans, with Davis. I mean, we saw it all season where just teams were just picking on this guy. And while injuries again, I never would root for someone to be hurt. And he had those concussion issues where he missed the last five games of the season. I feel like in that situation where he missed those games, it might have been more addition by subtraction mm-hmm. with him not being in there. And I think that he's going to be a prime candidate that they're going to cut him this offseason because they could save $6 million in cap space by getting rid of him. And also, mm-hmm. with those concussions, that's something that we really have to be worried about going forward with that player. Understood. Duke Shelley, what you give him? I gave Duke Shelley a C-. minus. Okay. I thought Duke Shelley um, gave us some valuable minutes when he could, but again... Duke Shelley just wasn't ready for some of the primetime games and the primetime receivers. Seems like Duke Shelley kind of struggled a little bit around that. But again, he wasn't a guy we were expecting to start, of course, but he was a guy that came in that would try to replace other guys and give us some valuable minutes. So uh, I, was, I wasn't okay with him, but again, he just wasn't a guy who we want to see out there getting big minutes. Well, this is the thing. It, to me, and with Duke Shelley, I gave him a C-, minus, but it took him three years for him to finally get some decent playing time. And it happened, mm-hmm. obviously, when Screen got hurt. And so now the organization has some film on this kid and they can maybe see what they have from him in the slot. It was mixed. I mean, I know on this podcast, I called him toast because he got lit up in in some games. And so it wasn't pretty. But I would say with Buster Screen likely not returning, it's probably going to give Duke Shelley a shot in training camp. I mean, they might bring a veteran in and compete with him, but he's going to have a shot to compete for that job in training camp. All right, Kendall Vildor. I gave Vildor um, the same thing, uh, C minus as well. I, I like Vildor. I think he still has some some some, some um, time to grow. He needs to grow for sure, but I'm glad he got a chance to play because um, we able to see what he was able to bring. But yeah, he has some learning to grow out there in the field because, again, he was a guy who got who was in some tough coverages and couldn't guard against some of these elite wide receivers. And you can see it, you know, uh, that he's going to be a guy that's going to eventually continue to uh, make some strides, but he's just not ready right now. Not ready now. Yeah, I gave him a C. The DB position had so many injuries. And so when you got a fifth-round draft pick that's out there playing in your meaningful games down the stretch, yeah, it's obviously not an ideal situation to be in. And he had his share of struggles, but he showed some potential. So I gave him yep. a C. And I think that the kid, you know, he could be pretty good, I think, in the league. Needs so some we'll see. time. Yep, needs some time. Yep, but he, he should be okay. I think he's got something. All right. Got a couple positions here before we get out of here, A-Dub. So now we're on to the safety position, and we got our boy Eddie Tito Jackson. I would say (laughs) I gave him a C. Okay. I was not expecting this type of drop-off from him. It was surprising me how he played this season, and that's why I was so hard on him because when you have such expectations for a player, when they underperform to this way, it kind of makes you like, wait, what happened, right? Because, I mean, he had – two straight Pro Bowl seasons, right? And I was expecting this season he was going to take the even bigger step. Right. And that didn't happen. So he had a really down year, missed a lot of tackles. Yep. He wasn't that dominant force that we've seen from him in the past. 
True. And a lot of times with Eddie Jackson, the playmaking ability that he has is the thing that makes him the game changer. And he's lacked that. He was dropping picks that he would have caught. Let's not even talk about all the tackles that he missed. So I'm hoping that Desai taking over as defensive coordinator can maybe get this defense back to getting turnovers, to return it back to its old ways, and getting Eddie Jackson back to the player that he used to be. Because, man, I didn't like that version that I saw here in 2020. It's, it was it was sad. Yeah, I agree with you. Everything you said is so, so accurate. The one thing that I didn't like about him as well, Prez, to, to what you're sharing, is the fact that he was indecisive at times. One yep. moment he wants to go in and try to blitz or whatever or help out. Other times he gets lost, right, to where he wants to go back and, and, and stay in coverage. So this guy, to me, his game was just off this year. It uh, didn't look quite the same. No. So, man, I just I hope he gets back to the point where we can call him Bojack again because until he shows anything, he's just Tito. Right. All right. Tayshawn Gibson, what you got for me? I gave Tayshawn Gibson, I gave him a C as well, but that was expected probably. But the thing is, with Gibson, if you look at his history, Gibson was a guy in the past, man, before he got the Bears years ago, to where he was able to get to the um, back in coverage and also help out the linebackers. And this year, you can see that he was struggling with making that move, right? His quickness and speed is gone. If you give him going one direction press, he's good. If you give him going just straight going out to the wide receivers, he's good with that because he got to jump. But if he has to make a move and cut back, He's not that great. And so he struggled with getting into that action. So I gave him a C, but when he did good, he did good. Like in the last game against um, we played against um, the Saints, he was all over the field. But again, that because of, you know, you know who his arm wasn't as what it used to be. But I think with that, I gave him a C. Oh, totally fair. I ended up giving him a B. I know in the beginning part of the season, I was tough on him just because I said, man, I, I just needed to see more from him. But he ended the season very strong. He did. And, and I know you mentioned in our, you know, in the season episode that he was the best player in the playoff game against the the, the Saints. And I agree mm-hmm. with you, but he played his ass off. The thing is with, with Gibson, he was dependable out there and he played well next to Eddie. He was on one of those one-year proven deals. And I think he lived up to the contract. So we'll see what the Bears decide to do, whether they mm-hmm. bring him back or if they look to upgrade the position. But I thought he was really, really good the second half of the season out there. I can see that. I think he was solid for us, though. But I can see why you gave him the score you gave him. I really can see the grade. Yeah, so I gave, him a, I gave him a B. Okay. All right, Deion Bush. Deion Bush. Um, I gave Deion Bush um, a C as well. I didn't think Deion Bush applied a lot. I thought he was out there. He was okay. We didn't lose much ground with him out there. So I will say from that perspective, you know, you, you can accept that part of it. But again, our backs didn't really get torched like that, right? To the point to where I will say with him being out there that it was uh, a concern. But I will say he's not someone that's elite, but I think he was okay. Okay, totally fair. I gave him a C minus. I think when the Bears re-signed him, it was the belief that he was going to be the starter next to uh, Eddie, but then they signed Gibson, right? And right. so then they had that battle that we talked about in training camp, and Gibson won that battle. And so now you had Bush being a reserve guy. Right. And we saw that there were points in the season where Bush would come in the game to help out uh, with Trevathan, when Trevathan was like a liability in coverage. So right. the thing about it is, Bush, they got hurt a bit during the season. So his reps started to decrease. And then DeAndre Houston Carson started yep. to kind of emerge a little bit. And he started to make some plays. So mm-hmm. he started to get more of the, the reps. So I thought DeAndre Bush, actually, over the course of the season, he started to fade. And we started to see less and less of him. So I gave him a C-. Yep. Okay, okay. I can see that. 
And then now piggybacking it to DeAndre Houston Carson, I gave him a C because Mm -hmm. I thought that he was very solid out there, made some really big plays. And think about it. He secured the win against the Bucs and uh, the Panthers, made some really good plays there. And as a result, the coaching staff seemed to have more confidence in him going forward. Yeah, he got that interception, right? Was he the one that got that interception for yep. us? Yep. So I like that play for him. But you're right. I like what he did. I thought he played good, good, very good ball in coverage. So I did like him. I gave him a C. But yeah, he was seemed to be somebody that's dependable. And like you say, he started to get some more minutes throughout the um, season. So uh, we'll probably see a guy like him, you know, in the future, right? Well, he's set to hit the open market this yeah. offseason. So we'll see what we'll they see. decide to do. Yeah. Yep. We'll see. But I, I, I hope that they bring him back. We'll see. All right. All right. <laughs> the last safety is Sherrick. McManus. He's been a long-standing member of this team, and he's one of the best special teams players in the league. So I gave him a C as well. And honestly, on our free agency episode, I mentioned that I would be okay with them letting go of Sherrick. I know a lot of people hit us up and they were like, hey, we would like to see him coming back because of the value that he does bring to special teams. So we'll see what happens there. But I would just say uh, he was reliable when he did play, but he was also hurt a lot. Yeah. And so we'll see what happens. So he's going to be a free agent. We'll see if the Bears uh, decide to bring him back. But he definitely has a lot of value on special teams. What did you give him, Gray Was? I gave him a C as well. And I, I can echo everything you already shared. So I'll leave it at that. Fair enough. Last position we got here. Special teams. Cairo Santos. What you got for me, A-Dub? I gave Santos an, an A, man. Santos was reliable. We didn't miss a beat with him. I say he missed a couple field goals early, but after that, man, he was almost Dan and perfected. <laughs> Dan and perfect. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got no issues with Santos, man. He made those kicks look easy, too, even 35, 40 plus. I mean, this guy, man, shows that he wants the job, he wants the position. And I will say, let's pay him. Let's try to keep him. Yeah, I gave him an A as well. I think it's funny that we finally found our kicker, but we did it by accident because right. <laughs> the whole time they were thinking that Pinheiro was their guy. And then he got hurt. And then they brought Santos in as insurance policy, which that's the best insurance policy ever because that dude started in week one. And you, like you said, he missed a couple kicks. But then after that, man, he was amazing. Never looked mm-hmm. back. And he hit on 94% of his kicks. Right. Made 27 in a row. Beat Robbie Gold's record. Sign this man back. ASAP. <laughs> All right. Punter Pat O'Donnell. What you got for me? Hey, the punter wasn't bad. <laughs> he was good, man. I would say let's keep him. He didn't screw up anything. He made his kicks. I'm all good breaking him back. I gave him a B. He's been with the team since 2014. Now, I would say this. I'm okay with either way. He was solid. But if they decided to go after maybe a, a cheaper option that was available mm-hmm. in free agency, I'd be okay with it as well. But, I mean, yeah. he's solid. You know, so that's pretty much all I got to say there. Yep, I gave him a B too. So we both gave him a B. Yep. All right, lone snapper Patrick Scales, as I mentioned in our free agency episode, I would like for him to come back. When your lone snapper is somebody that people don't know who he is, that means he's doing his job. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So he's been with the team since 2015, and he's got a good relationship with uh, O'Donnell. So they've played together for a long time. Mm -hmm. He had a really good season, so I would say re-sign him. And it's probably going to be an affordable contract as well. So just, just do it. Yep, game a B. Let's keep that unit together, hopefully. Yep. All right, Cordell Patterson, kick returner. What do you give him? I give him an A. Um, Cordell, man, was always good in, you know, in special teams, for sure. You, you punt return, this guy, I mean, uh, yeah, kickoff return, this guy is excellent. 
Um, and the guy, and I think one thing I like about him, Perez, he wasn't afraid to catch that ball in the end zone and run out. So a lot of guys are always like, you know, letting it go back to, you know, touchback, whatever. But yep. he was a guy that wanted to really make something happen. So he run it out, get us in good field positioning, and it's up to us to make it work on offense. So I like what he did for us, what he provided. And that guy, man, is one of the best in the league when it comes down to being that. Absolutely, man. I gave him an A. He's the best damn kick returner in the game. Mm-hmm. He's made NFL history as a, as a result of that. And the guy is all pro and a pro bowler, second consecutive season. This one concerns me because with him set to be a free agent, I would love if he came back on a team-friendly deal. But what if some team throws some money at him? Yeah, man, that's a good concern to have. Because he's one of the most versatile players on this team. Mm-hmm. And that would be a tough loss if we somehow weren't able to bring him back. I agree with you because we do use him sometimes, you know, in the backfield. So this guy can do a lot for us. And you're right. It'll be a, a big miss for us. We can't bring him back, but we'll see. But I would love for him to come back, man. I love what he brings to this team. The fans love him. His teammates love him. So I hope that we find a way to bring him back. Me too. Give us a um, team-friendly deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, A-Dub, before we get out of here, man, let me hear your uh, Super Bowl prediction. What you got for me? Who wins? Kansas City. Chiefs win, man. What's the score prediction? Score going to be 36-25. All right. I'm going Bucks 33-26. to It's Woo! just for me, I love Mahomes, but I just think that Brady's going to pull it out. I think he's going to do something. He's going to do something strange. He's going to make something happen <laughs> at the last second. <laughs> let's see what the old goat got. Okay, let's see what he got, man. Let's see what Brady has. Man, and the thing about it is, it's just hard to bet against a guy like that, man. Because the way that he's changed that culture at one season, the mm-hmm. Bucs weren't even a playoff team. And they went to the Super Bowl the first year that he's there. It's like, man, this guy's a culture changer. So, Well, we know what quarterbacks can do. <laughs> man, and what they can't do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the last thing. So... Listeners of the show, you guys know that we're doing a Super Bowl Squares pool. We got the pool all filled out. We pulled the numbers. So we're going to be uploading the sheet for everybody that participated uh, tomorrow morning. So as of the day of the Super Bowl, everyone, if you get a chance to listen to the show, you'll hear this message. If not, then you'll see our post that goes up on Twitter. But nevertheless, we're excited to be doing our first Super Bowl Squares for all our loyal listeners and followers. We can't wait to see who wins the prizes. Yes, sir. All right, A-Dub, man. This is an episode where we got a little detailed into all the various players and position groups on the uh, team. Listeners, thanks for bearing with us. That was a lot of information that we gave to you guys, but we wanted to be very thorough, which is kind of how we were breaking these guys down and just make sure that, hey, we were giving you guys our deep analysis on what we saw with the team this year. So without further ado, we are out. A-Dub. Going to sign us off, bruh. Thanks for listening to the Barry Sanchez Podcast. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for your continued support of this podcast. Bear Nation, come down with us. Peace.